0: Nurses and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Nurses eat their young. That's a phrase every nurse has heard, especially when they've been bullied. I've been there. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking to Dr. Jo Neal Conley, and she's going to be telling us about her school of bullyology. This is a super fun episode that you won't want to miss. Welcome, nurses and hypochondriacs, and welcome to the show, Jo Neal Conley. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. It's so much fun. Yes. And um the way we met was that you took my storytelling class, Intro to Writing and Storytelling through the Well-Written Nurse. That's right. I did. And it was great
1: and I've enjoyed our connection.
0: Yes, yes, we have so much fun <laughs> yeah. uh together. So Why don't you go ahead and start by telling us about yourself? And I do want to want you to uh, share that story about your name. Oh, absolutely. Sure. That's such a fun, and you know, because it does have a little bit of a paranormal. (laughs) It does. does. Which I love. So I really would love it. So go for it.
1: And I live in a small town in the middle of Michigan, in the middle of the Mitten, called Alma, Michigan. I've always lived in Michigan my whole life. I've been a registered nurse for over 40 years, um, but I've had an interesting journey in life. It hasn't been just a straight shot to hear. Um, when I was younger, I, my name is Joe Neal and I would go to school and teachers would go, oh my gosh, your parents must've wanted a boy. And I'd go, I think they wanted me. I'm pretty sure they wanted me. And as it turns out, I was actually named after my uncle Neal, who was a Flint city police officer who was killed in the line of duty. And I had this really interesting connection with him, but I sort of pushed it away for a lot of years until about a year and a half ago I had this terrible backache and I was having all sorts of holistic treatments and, and I started to have visitations from him he started to come to me. And at one of the he was actually killed in a car accident his police cruiser was hit by a fire truck, and he was injured on the left side and my pain was on the left side. And so in this vision, like the second or third time, I actually felt as though I was sitting in the back of the car and watched the accident happen and watched the left side of his body be hurt by that fire truck. And then after it was all over, like I I sobbed and I carried on. And then a few days later, he came to me and I have a picture of him in his police rookie uniform the day, the morning he was killed eating a peanut butter sandwich, which peanut butter is my absolute favorite food. And he said to me, I've always carried my shield for you. And I've been your protector. And so I've had this, this interesting. And I think sometimes we have to open ourselves up to those things. I pushed it away for a long time. But that gave me this really sense of peace. Um, I'm married, I have one daughter, I'm a brand new grandma. She's only two weeks old.
0: Congratulations.
1: Yes. Um, But my Throughout my career, my very first opportunity, and we're going to talk about bullying. So I'm going to kind of dive right into some yeah. of those stories.
0: i interject real quick yeah. because when you told me the story of your name the last time, you told me that you also went to the police department, which I think oh. is, is the huge, uh, that's, yes. that's a great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, I act- like come yes. to, yeah it,
1: it was the, it was the 60th anniversary of my uncle's death. And again, it was in the 1950s when he, was, when he was killed. And I decided we needed to do a ceremony. We needed his, one son was coming to our area for my daughter's graduation. And so I went to the Flint City Police, Office, uh, police Department. I said, I wanna honor my uncle. He's been gone for years. I'm telling you what, they put on a full-fledged bagpipe, police honoring and funeral. And they, it was cars and sirens and police trucks. And all of that. And it was just an amazing day. And so I, here's another piece. I don't know if I told you this, but I gave them an honorarium for doing that. And this, he died in April. And in May, they were going to go to the police memorial um, in Washington, D.C. Well, the guys on the motorcycle said, we don't have a, a toolbox. So with that money, they bought a toolbox and put my uncle's name on the top of the toolbox.
0: Ah, yeah. So that's there's a lot. A- Yeah. And that's so sweet too, because you had said that he had a closed casket and there was a lot of just weirdness in the family death because it was so tragic, you know, and he didn't, and you felt that he never got honored the right way. Exactly.
1: And my, my mom and dad never talked about it because back then they were stoic and you didn't deal with those things. And yeah, there are stories of him having a, actually had an open casket where they rebuilt his face. Oh. And yeah. And my aunt shook the casket and part of his face came off and they closed it right after that. And I actually confirmed that with my mom's cousin, one of her last She goes, oh yeah, it wasn't pretty. So. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That the- was
0: such a great story. It was so memorable for me. Thank and you. I love that. Yeah. And and because we opened up the class with what's in a name. So you can go ahead and tell us about your anti-bullying business and, and how and why you started that. Absolutely.
1: Now, again, I graduated from nursing school many, many years ago. And even when I was in my diploma school back in the day, we talked about nurses eating their young. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. Now, this was in the mid to late 70s that this was going on. And again, that was the beginning of the women's movement. And there was a lot of things happening in in the profession. Um, And I actually started my career in the emergency room Never had a single episode of bullying there. I was because I'd been a health technician. I was part of the team. I fit right in, but I made the transition from the emergency room to the operating room. Um, I can tell the story about why I left the emergency room is because the night I told the guy to get his effing butt on the stretcher, I figured it was time, and this was before H caps, so I decided it was time to get out of the emergency room. So I went to the operating room, and I was young. I was in my mid twenties, and eager beaver and wanting to learn everything. And there were 12 different services you had to learn and service number 11 was vascular service. Number 12 was cardiovascular. So I'd made it through all the other services and I was in cardiovascular and my preceptor was actually scrubbing the case and I was circulating. So this was back when we did open aortic aneurysms, when it's like nipple to nuts that they're opened up and flayed open and all of that. And (laughs) And so this is this, you know, this patient, and we know the longer the patient stays on the operating table, the more likelihood of morbidity and mortality. And so my, my circulate, my preceptor was circulating, she's at the table with the chief of vascular surgery, and she says to me, Joanie, I'll go get this retractor blade. So I'm out in the central processing, calling, sweating, breathing, tearing apart case carts, looking for this blade. And I go back into the room after about 10 minutes and I'm sweating profusely. And I have my head hung down because I have failed the patient. And I said, I I just can't find it. Then she turns to the surgeon and says, it's okay. She doesn't know what she's doing here. Use this retractor. So again, under the bus, I go at that moment in time. But what was more interesting is I found out about 45 minutes later, after the case finished and everything, the gal from central processing comes upstairs. Now, you got to remember, my preceptor is the queen of that service. Mm-hmm. And this gal from central processing goes, Joanie, she knows that that retractor's out for repair. She sent you on a wild goose chase. Now, think about that. Not only did she injure me, but she left that patient fillet wide open right. for extra time. So, you know, as that was the first time of, of that, I really knew, my God, this is bullying. And then it, over the course of my career, surgeons, managers, I married a bully. That's a whole nother story. Mm-hmm. Um, and how bullies and, and, and when I talk about my marriage for just a second. I was a superstar at work. I mean, I would go to work for therapy because I was so good and I'd come home and it was so miserable. It was just awful. And I ended up, uh, he went to prison three times. I stayed with him. I got breast cancer. And at the, toward the end of the marriage, when I was starting to like find myself again, cause he had convinced me that I was fat and ugly and had one boob and nobody would ever want me. And you know, when somebody messes with your head like that, it takes a long time to like break out of that. Yeah. And when I finally did, I left him with one suitcase my nine year old and nowhere to go. So when people say they don't have a choice, you do have a choice. Right. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in terms of addressing these things, is that you don't have a choice on how that other person behaves because you can't change it. But I had a choice about what I was going to do at that point. And I said, hasta la vista, baby. And I was out of there. And then there are some other instances in my in my professional career where the CEO of the organization was a bully. And this is the point I wanna share with everyone in terms of documentation. Now, what did we learn? If you didn't document, it didn't happen. And so I came to this hospital and I was amazed at the narcissism of this particular CEO. And I started writing stuff down. And I had been at 300 hospitals across the country and I had helped other people change their organization. They hired me to fix the operating room and the OA, OR, or the operating room and the ER, my two areas. Well, I've been there two weeks and we flunked the joint commission. So what's that type? And 80% yeah. of the citations were in the OR in the ER. So I started documenting and we'd have these meetings and I eventually came up with some suggestions and he sent me an email. Now, first mistake, don't send me an email. I said, until you've been here for six months, keep your mouth shut. <gasps> oh my.
0: Wow. Yeah. Don't send an email. <laughs> Because I kept copies, and that was one thing, and that's one of
1: the one of the bonuses for your for your listeners is I'm going to have a document that says how to chart bullying so your voice will be heard yeah, and so you have to take your emotion out of it and yeah. I started writing all the things that he did, and the whole organization had such a toxic culture. I ended up I gained thirty pounds, had seven ulcers, it was awful, and I had this breaking point where my husband and I, the second husband, got rid of the first one, the second husband, um, said to me, I can't stand you. I can't see you come home. And I was like walking at Can't you just see him? Yeah. And he's like, I, I never know if you're up or down or in between or anything. Yeah. So, so I had this deep night of soul and I had written, at the, by this point, I had written my dissertation on bullying in the operating room. So I had one of those dark, dark nights of the soul and I read my dissertation. I went, damn, I sounded pretty smart in this. And then I went, damn, I'm not even doing what i told hold other people to do. <laughs> so now you're not was, following
0: what you I preach, right? It's was
1: not because <laughs> when you're, and that's the piece, I think when you're in that whirlwind yeah. of those emotions and when you're, when you start to feel this heaviness on you that you can't think straight and then you finally have to go, you have to like actually step back and go, yeah. wait, hold on here. Let's, let's put this into perspective. So the following Monday, I made an a pres- um, appointment with the vice president of HR of the organization, took in my, my documentation, which was probably this much, along with the email, <laughs> the infamous email. Um, <clears throat> and, half, and, I, and I had already cleaned out my office because I didn't know if I was gonna go back, if they'd take me back. But I went in there and he listened to my story and halfway through, he put his hands on my hands and said, please accept the apology of this organization. That's Nobody awesome. should have to work like that. Yeah, and with and within ten days. Now, I was not. I was sort of like the tip of the iceberg kind of thing. But within ten days, he, that CEO was walked out of the building. Yeah. So when people say there's nothing you can do, there is something. So
0: well, that's very the David and Goliath scenario, and I think we talked so so. <laughs> about that in um yeah. my storytelling class, you know, and um. I forget the book. I don't have it with me right now. Uh, but there is a story about David and Goliath, mm-hmm. the biblical one. Yeah. yeah. And people always think like uh, that David was just a shepherd boy. He didn't know what he was doing. No, yeah. he yeah. was a very well trained. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, um, slingshot, <laughs> slingshot guy. You know, yeah. so he was he was in essence a super soldier. You know, and size doesn't really matter. He just knew how to fight in a different way. Exactly. And and so, and I think that that's why um, people, I I mean, people make themselves powerless. They go, oh, that person may be powerless. Not necessarily. I mean, you got to kind of give yourself pause, take a step back like you did and say, okay, well, this is a situation. What do I do? Sure. You know, sure. do I need, like, what's going on with me? Yes. And do I need um, some training, some mental health help? Um, I, do I have to look at this situation differently? Or is there actually something really going on with this organization, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have a belief that that there's
1: really several-pronged approach to this when you're talking about an organizational situation. I believe that the organization has a responsibility to have a code of conduct that is enforceable and enforced. And the biggest thing the organization has to have is courage. They've got to have the courage to say, nope. And that's why I, I give the organization that I went to kudos. They had the courage to say, I don't care how much, whatever this guy is he's, he's toxic to our organization. And, but I've worked in, in hospitals or I, when I was at the advisory board where a hospital would be out in the middle of Bemidji, Minnesota, I'm just going to, you know, out in the middle of nowhere. And they had one orthopedic surgeon and right, the orthopedic right. surgeon was a jackass, but, and, and they tolerated him and the staff, to, you know, it's kind of like, you can report him all you want, but we're keeping him. But by the same token, there was places in Hayes, Kansas, and way out the middle of nowhere who said, we don't care. We don't care if you're yeah. the only orthopedic surgeon in, in the 100-mile radius. You cannot do this to our staff. Right, so that's right. that one piece where the, that organizational courage is
0: crucial. But right. And, and that, that organization is giving that person so much power. Yeah, Why? I worked at a place like that in Bakersfield where they had this one pediatrician and he was like being a jackass. He was actually not being very nice to people. I would go, he would take vacations for three months at a time, you know, and they would tolerate him because he was literally the only pediatrician. And he did, he did like three or four different other jobs too. So he was, he was overworking himself, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. did not make him a very good physician, you know? if you're so overworked. And so when I was there, they're like, God, you're so nice. Cause I would say yes a lot, you know, and they're like, can you see this? It's extra. Or can you, and I really would take my time with my patients, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I was like, sure. You know? Um, and sometimes, yes, I did say no. I didn't say yes all the time. But it was no, because, you know, this is what's going on or whatever, or whatever. I mean, it was, it was a, it was a pertinent no, it wasn't just no, because I don't feel like it, which that's what this guy would do. He would leave early, he would come in late, you know, and he was just so, so sloppy to the point that the medical assistant um, called me a few months ago. And he was like, Oh, yeah, they finally fired him but hey. it took a while. Yeah. It took yeah. quite a while. And, and it's yeah. very sad how people uh, do that. They're on, they're like mm-hmm. power hungry, but the organizations make them, they That's create how- that, that, um, Frankenstein monster, you exactly. know, exactly.
1: And then the other side of it is the individual responsibility. And in order to have a healthy organization, you really need mo- both. Um, but so the, so the individual has to acknowledge, you know, the, the, spectrum of bullying you know is it are they rude are they a bully are they a narcissist kind of that and then also
0: look at does this person matter in my life right because because look at that other person he was just controlling your life so much so that your your husband was like um but but such a nice loving husband that he stopped you and said wait a minute something's not right yeah, you yeah. know, because how many how many spouses go start getting into it with that person yeah, and don't yeah. see that, you know,
1: exactly
0: because exactly. you know I was in a relationship like that where I had to stop the person and go, uh, I don't know who you think I am, but <laughs> right. you know, yeah, like right. there's something going on in right. your world that you need to fix and and in, you know, exactly it was very different, but I I think that that's what a good partnership does. Oh, uh, acknowledges that this is going on yeah. with your yeah. partner and going like, you need to, this, this needs to yeah. stop. Correct. I'm not going to tolerate this. Right.
1: right. Well, and then when, when people are bullying, you say, do they matter a little bit? Do they matter kind of, or do they matter a lot? Right. And what, what's the degree and, and all of that. And my, my premise for all of it is that, and I'm a WandaVision fan. So I tell everybody to put up, yes. your, put up your hex and don't let people in. I or if you're a Star Trek fan, put up your force field, because here's the piece of this. And I want to make sure that everybody understands this clearly. The organization has the p- potential power to change the bully's behavior by consequ- by pain or by gain. You as an individual have very little um, weight or influence to change the bully's behavior. The, the, you just don't. There are some things you can do. Now, what I want you to understand is you can't control them but you can, you can control, control yourself. yourself. Right. You can control yourself. So you have to say, I'm not going to give this. Now I, I do want to give a disclaimer here is what we're about to talk about really is not appropriate for kids because kids don't have the mental capacity to process some of these things where I think there needs to be some additional assistance when kids are being bullied. But I think for grownups, you have to say, you know, this person doesn't matter. I'm not letting them in. I'm not giving them away. I'm still whole. Complete, wonderful. No matter what that person says, and the other piece of it, you never believe what the bully says. You never do. Yeah. Again, but but we get and and here's the thing: once your shield, your hex has got a hole in it, that shit's coming in on you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. It, it's like a shit storm. Um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and one interesting thing that I that I wanted to talk about that you brought up, um. So, so what I think these bullies are running on, they're running on subconscious programs. They're I not don't. even conscious that they're mm-hmm. doing it. To mm-hmm. Them. Mm-hmm. So I realized that and I'm writing a children's book about it. And I think, I don't know if I shared this story uh-uh. with you um, in class, but so my my good friend Dimitri Hakides, um, he has an organization called Boo to Bullying. We and we and we have a a podcast about it. I'll send you the link. Yeah. yeah. Um. And 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 so he's had the organization for many years, and he goes to schools and he does assemblies Mm -hmm. on anti-bullying, and he'll bring up the yes. kid on stage that says they've been bullied, right? Ah. And so they tell the kid not to point out the person that is bullying them, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But they the, they do um, encourage the child to tell the story of them bullying, you mm-hmm. know, because, mm-hmm. from their perspective, because the bully doesn't even know that they're going on. So I think one time inadvertently, the the kid that he brought on stage, pointing out the bully and they're like um you're not supposed to do that it's kind of like a counter bully in a way yeah. they don't promote that so I they know. asked the girl would you like to come on stage and talk this out and the little girl said yes so the little girl went on stage and I think she said I'm so sorry and gave her a hug I didn't even know I was doing that there you go because they were like this was priceless it was yes. a great moment you know where they kind of resolved where sometimes a little girl maybe took it out of context Exactly. You know, for whatever exactly. reason, um, so so, and then my other story, which uh, happened to me on the beach one day, this little girl, this little four-year-old girl, who is very precocious, I mean, she was just (laughs) amazing, I mean, kids gravitate to me all the time, but she starts talking to me, and I start talking to her about school, she was in preschool, and, uh, you know, I asked her about her friends, who her friends were, and she starts telling me about her friends, and she's like, oh, but that Eloise, and I was like, (laughs) oh, what's up with Eloise, and she's like, well, she's just such a bully, and I go, what do you, what do you consider a bully you're for? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because she's heard those words. Yeah. I was like, you're four, you know? And she goes, well, well," she's just mean to me because it's like, she's always like doing this to me or saying this or saying, and she's always putting me down and da, da, da. da. And I go to her and it was a very intuitive thing. And I tell her, I go, well, you know. Eloise doesn't know what she's doing. She's just following the Mm -hmm. program that her mother is, that's her mother in her head. So you know what you got to do to Eloise? And she's like, what? I go, you just got to tell her to snap out of it. (laughs) That kid loved it. She was, she's like, snap. Snap! I can't snap, but I'm just gonna tell her snap out of it, Eloise. And I go exactly
1: because you empowered that younger, you empowered her. You yeah. gave her something that she could do. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely.
0: and, and, and yeah. she's like, I'm just gonna tell her snap out of it. I'm gonna remember that one. I'm gonna remember that one. Yeah. Do you see? But I even do. a child, you know, and, and it's uh-huh. like because people are in a subconscious programming, and I'll share a story uh, as well. But you you can go on. But uh, but I love. um how you've organized everything and, mm-hmm. and tell us about, um, the, which my, the meanness matrix. That was, it,
1: that was basically what I was describing to you just a minute ago where there's, it's a three by three, uh, tool. And in the bottom, it says there's rude people. And I give a def- definition of rude people. And I do think that rude people, um, are just naive. They're like the naive bully. They're just do, they're out there dangling along. I do think with bullies, true in fact bullies, there is some intentionality that they're going to intentionally do this. And then there's the narcissist. And the narcissist is really a personality disorder and they have the inability to feel for other people. And so Dr. Christian Northrup talks about that group of people as people who are have the inability to change. Some of the others, like you said, may. So you look at, okay, what kind of a person am I dealing with? And then what's their impact on my life? How influential are me? So right. with rude people who you know, don't matter, the guy, the kid who smashes your potato chips at the grocery store, you know, he's rude. And, you know, you could go, by God, get me some new potato chips. You know, I haven't seen those people we got at the grocery store. And now that we can see their faces, I'm <laughs> back to being weird again. But again, you just say to that kid, you know, could you please go replace my bag? a chip. They're smashed. I don't want smashed potato chips You're not mean. You're not, you're just smiling. You know, don't give away yourself. And yeah. as you move up, you know, the, the people that matter a little bit, you've got to figure out again, these people are, are usually naive and this usually isn't how they be- behave people that matter. And you'd say, wow, I wonder if something's going on with them. You know, you yeah. talked about, you gave the word curiosity, Mm-hmm. You try to figure out, you know, you don't automatically jump to they're rotten and they're terrible and they're out. Cause this is that rude column. And then people that matter a lot that are rude, you know, our spouses, our siblings, people that are, are close to us sometimes do things and you go, what the hell is that all about? And yeah. then that's why you say, we need to talk. Mm-hmm. I want, I want to, I want to know what's happening. And you, you see them as people. So that's that rude column. Now the bully column, you know, that bottom rung, Again, this is where you start putting your hex up <laughs> at this point in time, the hex is up because you don't want them under your, you know, my grandpa, my grandpa, you say, don't let people get under your skin. Right. And, and that is, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, the parrot, the, uh, example. <laughs> so those folks, and this is also where you start documenting. And if, if somebody says something that's a bully and they don't really matter, you just go, you know, thanks for sharing. Yeah. And that sets them up. It's like, because They are, they have like, we call it narcissistic supply, but it's also, (coughs) excuse me, bullying supply where they get a charge out of it somehow, you know, it's that subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. And then you move up, move up a little bit. And when they, they matter a little bit more and you go, what was that all about? What were you saying? You know, again, you have, you're curious still. And then the top rung is where I just said, never believe what the bully said, And document, document, document. And there's other strategies as well. And then when we get to the narcissist, we talk about, can I go get a drink of water? Can we pause for a quick second? Sure. Okay. I'll be right back. So then when you talk about the narcissist, again, those are the individuals who, again, Dr. Christian Northup wrote a great book about dodging energy vampires, the narcissistic people. And she talks about the fact that those are the individuals who really lack the ability to see another person. They lack empathy and really have almost no ability to change. She said in her entire career, and she was using it, she's seen one or two change. And that was usually a court order change kind of a thing. But the narcissist who doesn't matter, don't engage. Just let them be as evil and awful. Again, there has to be a corporate response to that, but I'm talking about your personal response. Now there's other things you need to do too. And again, if they're somebody that matters a little bit, you need to get therapy because they're going to run you ragged and they're not going to change. And then the narcissist who matters a lot, this sounds terrible, but run, just run. There's very little you're going to be able to do at that that level and protect yourself.
0: So, (laughs) right. I totally agree. Um, I have a story to share with, I I let you know a little bit about it. Uh, That happened to me recently because I was working at um, a migrant shelter. I was called by a locum tenants company. And it was a very strange situation because they didn't even tell us who we were working for, what we Mm -hmm. were doing. We got no, we were promised orientation. We didn't get orientation. I was told I was going to do a uh, history and physicals on these kids, right? That were coming in uh, to the shelter. And that's not what I ended up doing. And I got my name put on a list and that's how they figured who went where and who did what of all the nurse practitioners, right? Which I thought was very odd. So I, I just went with it and I got shower duty and I was like, well, okay, you know, I'll do it for, I guess this, the, these people look very unorganized. I get it, you know? And I started asking questions right away. Because, you know, I need to know what this is, what's going on, what we're doing, you know, and uh, because the everybody was anxious, you mm-hmm. know. And so the, the the reason why people are anxious is because you don't know what's going on. But you give people information and they won't be as anxious. They'll get mm-hmm. it, right? Usually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and so I, I went to the director of nurses, um, and it was a mother daughter team. So there, that's another weird thing. So the nurse practitioner was the mom and then the daughter was the director of nurses. And when I first met the, the, the nurse practitioner in charge, I was like, Hey, this is who I am. Nice to meet you. Um, who are you? Like, where do you come from? What's your background? And she goes like this. Well, I'm just doing this until I retire. <laughs> Number one, you're like, okay. And so, and then, so she goes and, um, oh yeah. So-and-so is my daughter. And she rolled her eyes and she rolled her eyes. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> so tell you a lot about what's to come. Right. And I was like, whoa, Nellie. You know, here we go, and and I'm, you know, I see things through the eyes of a storyteller. Yeah. Uh. And and I in one of our in our um evocative poetry episode that we did a couple of episodes back, um, I, I had a nurse poet on, and she says she sees the world through the eyes of a poet. So that's mm-hmm. what got her through a lot of difficult situations. Yeah. So I see my, the you know, so I was like, here we go. This is going to be a good story. You know? like, yeah. like what's going to happen, you know, like, like gird your loins, you know, <laughs> yeah. and everybody else is like, I, I feel sorry for these people because yeah. they do not know what's coming. What's, yeah. Know? Yeah, <laughs> like, sure. they, they did not know what was coming. I mean, this shelter was going to hold 2,500 people, wow. children. Yeah. Okay. So you got... Your, your mother-daughter team <laughs> who don't They're like each to other retire, yeah. who, who obviously kind of don't get along because yeah, yeah. if your mom <laughs> says well that's my daughter and she rolls her eyes exactly no there's something and that was and that was totally subconscious programming right there because she probably wasn't even aware that she rolled her eyes yeah. This is why I asked those questions and I watched that. So Mm -hmm. this is another thing. Always watch body language. How people say that. Like, I just was like, whoa, okay. So, you know, the first week I was like, I'll do the shower duty, fine, Mm -hmm. you know? And it actually wasn't that bad, you know, and and stuff. Now, the second week that I went in, things had changed because Mm. obviously- it was chaos. Mm-hmm. This is what I forgot to tell you. So the weirdest things were happening on the first day, mm-hmm. right, the second day, and the first day we no, we did nothing. There was no orientation, no nothing. Right? Yeah. Okay, we're just sitting around and getting paid. Yeah. So, <laughs> for twelve hours. Okay. So yeah. the second time, you know, the second night, that's when when things were happening, and um, so I guess people had never seen children before. I don't know. <laughs> God. Oh no! I have 25 years working with yeah. kids. I worked at Disneyland. I've worked yeah, at camp, yeah, you know yeah, camps yeah, yeah. with kids. Oh golly, camps and uh, I've worked at I don't know how many children's hospitals in my lifetime. I've run many many clinics by myself yeah. <laughs> yeah. as a sole provider. <laughs> yeah, no, so, so I, I mean. Yeah, but I, but I noticed people do this at Christmas time when they go into a children's hospital. It's like, it's like going to the zoo. Oh, let's take the children like gifts. Like they don't have, like they, their rooms are full of toys. That's not what they really need. Yeah, for, you know? sure. <laughs> for sure. for sure. For when sure. they think they're doing a good deed. And I'm just like, oh, it's not, a not a zoo. Sure. So this was kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. These kids were coming off the bus and people started freaking out, mm-hmm. freaking out. And I've never seen anything like it in my whole entire career or life. I was mm-hmm. like, they're not animals or children. Yeah, scared yeah. children. Scared <laughs> children. Well, no, they weren't scared. Oh, they weren't they scared? actually okay. were cool. They okay. weren't crying. A lot of them were like they knew what was going on. Okay. They got off the bus. They got food to eat. They seemed very calm. Okay you know, and they knew where they were going. Like a lot of them were very smart. They knew who they were going to okay. see and where they were going Good. and Good. stuff like that. And I was like, "That's oh, it's pretty interesting. But other people were freaking out because they'd never taken care. they would never, you know, they were like, oh, you know, again, because cool. they, they, they didn't know the story. Right. Right. You know, so um, at the showers, we were there and we were, you know, doing our job and there were other people there with, the federal government and stuff like that. We were chit-chatting and having a great old time and things were going good, you know? All of a sudden, there's something weird started happening. People started making themselves bosses. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They they started and and we were wearing these slicker things you know the plastic and stuff yeah, yeah. and we were all garbed up and and so we had badges but then this this one nurse practitioner she was like she put on her her, her plastic charge nurse oh my goodness <laughs> and her name and she went around she goes would you like me to write your name on your plastic and I said well I have a badge yeah <laughs> Don't oh my you goodness have a badge? You know, and we were and she kept trying to put and we're like no 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 yeah yeah no
1: and
0: she goes I'm the charge nurse and I'm like okay who made you the charge nurse there you go. There you go. There you go. <laughs> you know, you got to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. thing. So people, it's amazing. People are just followers. Like, they'll just follow. Oh. And they've done those tests. Mm-hmm. People will just follow what everybody else is doing. Yeah. Yeah. They won't question. But I'm yeah. always, I know how to play this game. Good I'm like, girl. I'm going to question <laughs> her. Yeah. I'm just like, so who made you in charge? She goes, oh, well, no one. I just figured I'd be in charge because no one is taking charge. And I go, well, that's not true because we're all nurse practitioner <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Who died left you. I know time. what we're doing. Oh she my. Goes, but don't you want to go to lunch? And I go, well, we're done at this time. We're good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. She obviously needed to have something to lord over everyone. Yeah. Yes. And we'll get to that point. So then the next week, so we start. we started seeing people do this, like the power trips, oh yeah I yeah, have yeah. to yeah. take get charged this was like Lord of the Flies on acid like it was just, whoa <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know I was just like you know and if no one knows what Lord of the Flies is Ooh. that book that you had to read in junior <laughs> yeah. high high school whatever Somewhere along the line uh, where these kids are, are 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 shipwrecked are their plane breaks down and they're a desert, on a deserted island and the older kids take charge of mm-hmm. the little kids and they start telling them what to do, but everything goes crazy, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. <laughs> so this exactly. is what was going on, you know? And um, so the 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 last night that I was there, there was this woman who, who was in charge of the showers, right? I'd never okay. seen her before. I had been on the showers this is my, week two of the yeah. showers, right? And she was the boss of the showers, <gasps> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, what we were doing was delicing the kids at 2 a.m. outside oh. with spotlights on. It was ridiculous. Oh, First no. First of all, you got to think this is a stupid situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You so have to make the best of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and laugh <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah.
0: and be cool. Yeah. This woman who made herself or, or who became the charge nurse. Of the, oh, yes didn't have any pediatric experience because I overheard her before I knew who she was she had just gotten off an ICU COVID contract she was what I call a COVID chaser okay okay nurses Mm -hmm. who go around and chase these COVID contracts Mm -hmm. she was a COVID chaser and I knew that so you know and I and I had heard her story and that's another thing gotta be a good spy And, and, listen, and listen. I'm an amazing spy. Watch yeah, out yeah. if I'm around you. No, I know I know exactly what you're saying. I, I know. always have a notebook with me. Uh-huh. So <laughs> Write it down. I I, you know, watch out. If you see me, you're like, oh, it's <laughs> it's her. Yeah. You know? And um so. We were here delicing these kids, and she comes to me because they gave us combs. I'm like, this is ridiculous, you know. I'm trying to comb out this kid's hair with the with the nicks, and and I go, am I supposed to? I go, I can't pick out these. I can't yeah, even. Yeah, no, see. you can't. Yeah, it, it was it was impossible, yeah. right? Impossible situation. This woman comes up to me, she goes, do you know what you're doing? Like she screams at me, and wow. I look at her and go, whoa! Yeah. Like I literally put my hand up in her face because she was yeah. on top of me. I go, excuse me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, who are you? She goes, I'm the charge nurse of the I'm showers. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who told you to be charge nurse? She goes, I volunteered. There you go. <laughs> there you have it. There you have it. Yep. She goes, you're not combing that kid's hair right. And I mm-hmm. told her, I go, excuse me? Yeah. I go, well, and so I step back and go, well, if you know how to do it better than me, then go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she did. She started to... you know and I was like what the hell is she doing and I was like whatever I'm standing back yeah so I was the only person who spoke Spanish in the group right yeah and so they had said okay Ursilia you go into the showers when the I mean you think we were doing brain surgery I probably could do brain surgery and take out a tumor way easier anesthetize the the person take out the tumor than this whole shower situation Okay. Wow. So they're yeah. like, silly yeah, essence. You know how to speak Spanish. You, when, when the kids got a shower, mind you, we only had two kids that had to shower Oh you go golly. Out there and you show them how to open the water and tell them which one, which side is hot and which side is cold. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty easy. Kay. Right. Like I said, yeah. I could probably take out a tumor <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or do and a cabbage person anesthesia and recover them. Way easier, way easier than than mm-hmm. what they were trying to make me do right so mm-hmm. i was like okay so all of a sudden the woman who was do- combing the hair she jumps into the showers wow. and she's like oh, like she's frantic and i was like this woman and that's how i knew she was programmed like she's on yeah. she's yeah. running on a program somehow like on yeah a, on a power trip program something's mm-hmm. not right mm-hmm. with her. and so i knew something's not right mm-hmm. um and so <clears throat> I and um, she goes she goes to me she's in the shower she goes I thought you were going to come in here and speak Spanish and show these kids how to open and close the water in Spanish and I told her well you jumped in I figured you just learned how to speak Spanish like I'm a comedian you know I'm I like, know. Oh, I go here we go bit and it was funny cuz I was I it, sometimes I feel like it's my own comedy show I'm going if you're going to be an idiot game on yes <laughs> that's right and and you know that's that is and that's how you snap people out of it yes that's I how you snap people out of it so I go I just figured you knew how to speak Spanish all the nurses started busting yeah. up they yes. were dying I was yes. like they're like that's a good one and yeah. I go I know she's an idiot she's on a programming yeah you know, she, she's programmed she's, sure. pro- she's running something in her head and so so I go go you know and she kind of like looked like I slapped her in the face she was like you know, yeah, she kind of yeah. did the shake thing and, and, mm-hmm. and it was like, um, so, uh, and then, and then I told her, and then again, she got on top of me with another kid and started telling me what to do. And I told her, you know, you need to step off. Yeah. I don't do well. I don't know if anybody does well with someone on top of me. So I went to the mother, <laughs> the mom. Yeah. of the of the director of, of the dr- eyeballs. I yeah. go, you know I was like hey I just wanted to let you know who put this woman in charge that's how yeah. I said and she goes oh, well she volunteered and I go well <laughs> I go on what pretense yeah. I, I mean and I go in and I explained to her what was going on and she seemed to agree with me, but then all of a sudden she came around because I told her, I go, you need to be careful because what's going on here is yeah. a shit sh-. I go, this is yeah. not going to. And I already saw the train starting yeah. to crash. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But lo and behold, she comes around with a list and I'm, my name is on that list and I get cut. Right. So I, I, I fail the game. So I get oh. a call from my recruiter in the morning. He tells me, Oh, you're just not a good fit. And I was like, Whoa, really? <laughs> you know the story didn't end there i mean i ended up talking to the councilwoman who was all over twitter saying how amazing this site was so i I spoke to her people and now um it's even going further because these places aren't licensed yeah yeah so i am speaking to uh some civil rights attorneys who are trying to shut these places down because they're not licensed right Right now. And there there's herds of children. And I've heard from so many of the nurses working there. The working conditions were terrible. Correct. There was a lot of bullying going on Mm -hmm. between everybody because there's no there's no uh, leadership and no structure no structure, yeah, structure. nobody even no. knows what was going on no, no. you know and it, everything was a mess there's contagion there was outbreaks mm. going on it was it was just and I was like yep saw that happening but no but you know what the mother-daughter team they seem to not care well <laughs> and and you know in your heart it wasn't you it no I mean of course when yeah. I got fired I was like wait a minute what I get fired just for saying hey if you need my listen something's yeah. not right here yeah yeah. You know, but they started. They did that to all the people who were complaining. Instead of saying, "Okay, wait a minute, we need to go back to square one and restart," yeah. no, because they didn't care. They're no. not. It's not a licensing. They have no pediatric background. No. Don't give a fuck. Sorry. And
1: all they wanted to say is, "I was the charge nurse of the showers." You know, oh, they love that. So yeah. let's talk about these power trips people yeah. go on. Yeah, and I think that's really kind of what you were identifying here. Yeah, this person. Because out of, out of a void, something will rise up to say, okay, I'm in charge, you know, and instead of there being a structure where the most qualified gets to be in charge, right. somebody rises up. And those are those people who need to have this sense of authority. And they, yes. those, they're, they're the ones who, you know, they look for people who they think are vulnerable only to get their own narcissistic or their bullying supply. It's like, if I put them down, then I'm up. And that's exactly what you're, what was going on there.
0: So why does that happen? Why do the pe- these people get on this power trip? I feel this is my thing is because they have no power in their own lives. Oh, so they absolutely. need they need an outlet where, like, sure. this is what I saw happening. This was an excellent mm-hmm. experiment. That's what I'm gonna call it on. On nursing gone wrong, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> on, mm-hmm. on these people that needed to, because there were some nurses there who never worked before, they were very young, and they Ooh. were like, "I'm in charge," and they love to go. And it was funny how they are programmed to what they think needs to happen. So they were going around with clipboards <laughs> and yeah. being mean, and you have to do this, and yeah. you know, and this is the way it's done. And I was like, "How old are you?" <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I'll, I'll tell you when my daughter was in the seventh grade, she was Uh a cheerleader and I would pick her up from school and she'd always talk about how awful the eighth grade cheerleaders were. They're terrible. They're bullies. They're, they eat all the pizza. They don't let us do anything. And I said, you know, sweetheart, what I think is those girls need a healthy dose of self esteem. Yes. and, And I said that to her over and over and over. And that's the same with these people. It's like, if you can't feel good as is, then give me a title give yes. me a position then I can feel good well the bottom line is feel good no matter where you are but there are people who have those gaps I think it's a hole in their soul that they're somehow trying to fill with this external thing instead of the internal
0: yes <clears throat> and and that goes for those Instagram people we were talking about <laughs> yeah for, sure. for all sure about me, but I can help you but it's all about me mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um I like how you brought up that it is a, they need a healthy dose of self-esteem and how they need that title to make them feel good. I almost think that Mm -hmm. that's why so many people get their doctorate of nursing practice. They're like, well, I have a DNP. Yeah. I have a DNP. I have a doctorate. And I go, okay, what are you doing with it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually doing a survey. I'm going to put out a survey. I just have to do it on survey monkey and put it out. I want to see what people, what are people doing with their doctorate? What are you doing with it? you write mm-hmm. something? Do you publish something? Are you teaching? Mm-hmm. You know, are you really giving back? Or are you just wearing it like like a Gucci purse? Yeah. Oh, I mean, a a yeah. And I think all of us, you know,
1: life is going to present you with opportunities to thrive or not. Yes. And, you know, you have that chance of, <clears throat> you know, because there's things that are going to batter you down, whether it's a disease or a death or a, a, getting fired or a sick kid or a marriage that went, you know, there's all there's cooked up by my curtain here. There's plenty of things that life is going to put on your plate right. and you have a choice. Is it going to bury you down? Or is it going to bring, are you going to figure out how to build yourself up? And those people who are down, it, it, it has a tendency to erode, 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 erode. And they get to a place where they stop looking for ways to pick themselves up. Yes. So the only, way, the, only, the only way they know how to do it is i gonna put you down. And then that gets me a little bit closer to you,
0: right? They're so stuck in their ego.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's, it's interesting. So, so in your program, what do you teach organizations to do to how do you how do you stop the bullying then?
1: Well, a, a lot of it goes back to that three legged stool, you know, where it's got to be you know, the organization itself has to have these structures in place, the policy, the culture, the the courage, all of that. You're, you know, the leadership team has to be willing and trained. This is not anything that comes innately. We don't, you know, I know people who avoid, would rather have a root canal than deal with conflict. Yeah. And so those folks, once they get in leadership, are really malleable to all the stuff that's going on. And they, they talk to this and then they talk to that because God forbid we should have a conflict. And so you've got to train your, your front line and your, your right from the, the, tra- the real charge nurses <laughs> all the way up to, right. the, to the vice presidents about people interaction, seeing people as people, you know, all of those pieces. So then the third layer is that the staff themselves have to have some, have to take personal responsibility. And I think that's what you were, what you were doing. You were taking personal responsibility for what was going on with you. Yeah. You know, you were saying, Hey, wait a minute, I'm doing everything I was told to do no, you want to do a here, have at it, you know? And yeah.
0: Yeah. And I will, I will always defend myself and yeah. I will, you know, you come at like, I don't understand what she expected me to do. Just yeah. follow what she was saying, yeah. like everybody yeah. else maybe. And yeah. I had heard that this woman was bullying. A lot of people isn't only me, this is what she was doing. So what, what was happening was it was like, she was a soldier getting rid of people. I mean, mm. and it was more politically minded because, People were getting, uh, they wanted to get, they had hired way too, they had hired 200 nurse practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. So they were trying to get rid of them. Sure. You know, so, so they chose, I guess they're like, oh, she's, she's aggressive. Make (laughs) her the soldier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, And, and even though I, I, in the meanness matrix, you know, there are certain strategies. I never say you shouldn't speak up. You know, you never should allow that to happen, knowing that you're not probably not going to change that person,
0: mm-hmm.
1: probably not going to make they're probably going to come at you, they may, you know, they may go to somebody else, right? If that person, if you get them off your back, chances are they're going to go to somebody else. So that's why I think, you know, collectively, we yeah. only say, you know, it's like, own it, you know, I'm not gonna let that person feel bad. You know, I've come to this place in my life, I've burned the kitchen down three times, I don't feel bad about it. I can't. <laughs> I can't cook and I'm not going to try. It's right. the same kind of thing. It's, and I don't want it to be like a, oh, you just give up. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you get to this place where it's like, this is me. I got good. I got bad.
0: I do some things well. I do some other things not exactly. so well. And i just, and I'm okay with that. And it's great that you bring that up because here's the thing. People expect you to act a certain way based on their uh, itinerary, based on their programming, based on what they, they think is like, I got called like, because I, I was cracking at jokes and stuff. Like I, I asked this one very young nurse who had never worked before, but she was one of the ones in charge. So I go, Hey, cause she had done, like, she was giving erroneous information. People were making fun of her and laughing at her. So I was like, I went up to her and I go, Hey, who told you to say those things? Like she was trying to make up a co-team when they already had like a like like ambulance people there and paramedics on scene and all of this stuff and I go and she goes well they told me to do it and I go do you always be I go so so you're one of those people then that's always always does what they're told and yeah. she got so pissed at me and she's like you're so unprofessional and I go I go based on what you think is professional yeah. I'm unprofessional but would you call a comedian unprofessional yeah. she looked at me like what? Yeah you and it was, it was really funny because I went to the bakery the other day and um, the the guy who owns this little bakery across the street from my house was wearing like a, a chef's shirt. And I go, oh, look at you. You're so professional today, oh. you know? And we have banter with each other. And I go, cause I, I was just like, you know, busting his balls. And I go, look at you. You look so professional. He goes, I'm professional every day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know oh. what I wear, you know?
1: And but I want you to remember it's that hilarious, and, and, and it's cool. It's nice to have that. But the minute you let somebody poke a hole in that, yeah, all, of a sudden,
0: all that stuff starts to be And then pretty soon you go, am I really professional? I don't know. I'm thinking I am. Well, yeah, and because, but see here, that's where identity comes in. You have to know who you are, being, you know? And, yes. and that's the thing. Am I going to let this little young, youngling yeah. who's never worked before as a nurse, tell me what professional is. What does yeah. she know what professional is? Yeah. Exactly. <gasps> exactly. And sure sure yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and it was an intense situation because there were South so flight. many people and stuff it, yeah. was, it was out of control and that's where bad leadership and people who don't know how to run things that shouldn't be there yeah. should not it you know yeah.
1: sounds it, like a shit it show
0: is, it was a way oh yeah Mm-hmm. Really, turn, there was there was literally shit everywhere. <laughs> That's what I heard. But anyway, yeah. um I just want to get to uh, so burnout. You you brought up burning in the kitchen, and we see so much burnout. <laughs> yes, we do healthcare yeah. these days. um and they're, and they're bringing up this bill. I don't know if you know about it. It's AB five six two. I, I don't know if this is only in California. Maybe. Yeah i have to look um, it up. It's the Frontline COVID-19 Mental Health Resilience Act of 2021. First of all, I don't like the name of it already because this has been going on for a long time. Oh, who would just <laughs> be like, put a flashlight on it? Put a, Right, right. If COVID yeah. was like that zit that finally popped. I love that analogy. You know? That's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it's a mental health resiliency program. So what do you think about that? Well, I do think,
1: and, and I what I hope doesn't happen, is guys who went to Vietnam and guys who didn't go to Vietnam, who s- lived in Germany, that were in the war but they weren't on the front lines. There was always us and them, and I hope we as a profession don't get to. Well, I was in the, I was in the ICU and you were in an outpatient clinic. We all were touched by this. Right. We all were touched by this. I think some more than others. I think you know I was I was kind of t- I mean I worked in a facility. I wasn't in the ICU. I wasn't in all of that sort of stuff. So I, I really can't speak for what happened to those folks. Right. They're the ones who have to bring their stories forward. And they're the ones who should be saying, um, you know, we've known for years that staffing was bad, equipment was mm-hmm. bad. You know, all of these things were bad. And all of a sudden we had this perfect storm of yeah. all of these things. So I'm not going to say that there isn't some kind of PTSD for these right. folks.
0: Of course I'm not, there
1: is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not going to say that. I think we have to like collectively. You know, I think you know things will be. This pandemic will be dissected and dissected and dissected in the rearview mirror, and things will come out. Um, I do think sometimes people were fragile to start with. Yeah. This um, magnified those things. I think support structures. I think. I think it tested leaders to the nth degree, who, you know, in healthcare. And this is, I think, one of our biggest uh, weaknesses. I was a wonderful clinician. I'm telling you what, I could run circles around everybody. And next thing you know, I was the assistant nurse manager. Mm -hmm. And did I know anything different from when I was running circles to that day I became an assistant? No. But all of a sudden, I was promoted for my clinical expertise to a role that I knew diddly squat about. Mm -hmm. Now, I took it upon myself to, to learn and do, and do all that sort of stuff. So I think we have leaders who are tested frontline staff that were tested. Um, you know, should there be some sort of way of healing and doing yes. Is it, is this the way I don't know? I can't speak to it because I don't know enough about what's involved there. I do think there is some, there needs to be some place to debrief this Mm -hmm. and come out better at the end.
0: I, I agree. I, I totally agree. I, I think you brought up a good point on um it, there were some people who were fragile to begin with and mm-hmm. and I think that um before going into the nursing profession it is not for the weak of heart. You know, as you know, you Amen. You know, Amen. Uh, yeah. You I hate to say grow a tough skin. I really hate that saying. <laughs> um but you you know, yes, a lot of these environments are already hostile. A lot of mm-hmm. them are broken. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think how I survived, I'm, I'm surprised I've been in this profession for 25 years, really, you know, uh, because um, I grew up in an Italian family and it was mm-hmm. rough. Mm -hmm. You know, it's rough. You have to deal with criticism all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, to where it almost makes you numb and you think it's normal. Like in the Italian Uh, community, you know, this is good to bring up as well. They think that abuse and people hitting you with a shoe and people insulting you as you come in the door is normal yeah. and it's not, you know, yeah. and that's another thing that we need to change. Mm-hmm. And and I think Gabor Machi he has a movie that just came out uh, on child trauma and how uh-huh. we normalize things. Well, but, but, but don't you think bullying
1: is normalized? You know, that's exactly what I was going to say. And here's the other thing is that a lot of times we tolerate people's bad bullying behavior because they're good clinicians. And I think I've told you this,
0: Or they've worked there forever. And people are like, that's just how they are. Deal with them. And why? And and, and (laughs) anybody whose middle name is Butt
1: needs to be released to the community. They're (laughs) a really good clinician, but they're a pain in the ass. They're a really good clinician, but I can't stand them. They won't. So we've taught, we, we, have created those people.
0: Yes. Oh, you create that. You create the Frankenstein like Mary Shelley, right? Yeah, you do. We, we have, and we've taken
1: people and, you know, ICUs, I think are riff with that. You know, you've got the, you know, dialysis queen and the vascular queen and the this queen and the that queen and they're, but they're heinous to be on your, you hate to work with them. You see that you're signed with them. Next thing you know, you're having an FMLA headache because you don't want to work with them.
0: I mean, it's like, right.
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we have created some of that in in our own uh, lack of wanting to address these issues. And this goes back to, uh, again, I want to go back to the charting tool. Yes. Where where we, yeah, one of the things I want everybody who hears this, and nurses or not nurses, when you see these behaviors, do the who, what, when, where, why, how, whatever you can, but no emotion. It's like dragnet just the facts. Who else was involved? What was the impact? What exactly? Write down the words they said. You can't just say, oh, they were rude to me. No. What did they say? Who heard it? Was there a, uh, you know, and, and in, the, in the tool, you're going to hear it say, was there a, a negative impact on patient care? Was there a negative impact on the organization? Did somebody go home sick and you had to pay overtime for somebody to cover that shift because they there had to work go. Those are the things that we lose track of because we go into this, they're just mean. Well, that's not yeah. going to get you anywhere. So I want you to look at this tool and see how you can use it. And this is what I used when I was dealing with the CEO. This is what he said. Here's how it impacted the organization. Here's how it impacted me. You know, And I had a, like I said I had a stack of them and I had to take my own. Ranting and raving out of it, I had to yeah. become an observer of what was happening, and I think that's one of the crucial pieces to have your voice heard. Now, again, I remember when I was in, a director of nursing, when I'd get these papers slid under my door in the morning and nobody had signed them, st- ripped them little suckers up. If you want your boss to hear you, you, you got know. it. Yeah. And if your, your boss doesn't, it? yeah, push your name on it. And if your boss doesn't listen, go to, boss, go to their boss, and go to their boss, and go to their boss, and tough shit if they get mad at you you know yeah. you
0: so but here's the thing people who do have pertinent cases like we had beth i always talk about beth Duche, um and i don't know if you heard that episode with her or, or that mm-hmm. i've talked about it uh where she got strangled by an anesthesiologist on the
1: oh um, god on oh friday
0: um she and the director the medical director told her why don't you go back to work with him he said he'll no. never do it again no Mm-mm. okay nope um you know and in here in here is another good um where she had a really great partner her husband say Yes. absolutely not right you know, I mean she did go and, and talk to human resources and go but really had that support to really take it to yes. where he was finally prosecuted I mean they almost yeah. they just kind of slapped him on the hand and 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 thankfully you know I um, mean mm-hmm. he didn't lose his license he did uh yeah. prison time you know go to jail and all of the and, above and, and then it kept proceeding you know mm-hmm. um and and I wrote an article about her her um story as well that got Mm -hmm. published because this we this needs to stop it needs to stop you're a human being Mm -hmm. I don't care what position you have who Mm -hmm. you are Mm -hmm. you know once you put once you start assaulting people that way in the bullet it needs to stop
1: yeah because that's a whole another level right in my book you know I had a I had a surgeon get he he like snapped in a bad way and the scrub tech was cracking her gum and he stabbed her with a scalpel true story no i mean true freaking story. i can't make that stuff up i mean to tell you i had the police there it quicker than anything and hauled his ass off to jail and you right. know the whole nine yards there that was just that was that's that's a whole other level right, of, right. of abuse that goes what's on
0: what's going on with you that you know you know in your head that you're mm-hmm. not even there you're not even conscious oh just did that yeah right? yeah
1: yeah yeah and i think the other one and just again i know we're kind of getting to our time but sometimes yeah. it's that drip 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 effect of somebody who does it all the time
0: yeah and nobody stops them yeah right.
1: yeah, yeah yeah and i was just
0: and, i was just talking about this at my meeting yesterday like mm-hmm. where um and it's always trust your gut too um mm-hmm. I, I had a meeting uh yesterday and uh the person I was meeting with said oh I had this gut instinct and 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 I knew and things ended up going really bad in a certain situation Mm -hmm. and um but I told him I go I bet you that guy already had problems like Mm -hmm. who had worked with him sure had noticed little things but they kind of went oh it's normal
1: and yeah no it's not it's not and we use it we need our voice use your voice
0: right right Excellent. Anything else you want to add, Joneil? Where can we find you?
1: My website is www.drjoniel and it's Um I'm on Facebook at the School of Bulliology and I'm on TikTok at Badass awesome. Bullyology. <laughs> So that's
0: so great that you're yeah. on TikTok. I'm not uh, on TikTok, but it's um, great, I hear it's a great platform. I um, think you would be great on it actually. Um,
1: Figuring it out, and again, I want to offer your listeners that document. I think I sent you the link to that uh, charting document.
0: Cool, I'm going to gonna the, add it to the yeah
1: to show the show notes. notes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Danielle. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Maybe we'll have you on again in the future. Absolutely, uh, it's so fun. Yeah, thank you for listening, nurses and hypochondriacs. Till next time. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and HypoCon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com.